Mark chapter 10. If you would please, out of respect to the scripture, let's stand as we read. Mark chapter 10, we're going to begin with verse 13. And they brought young children to him, that is to Jesus, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them, that is the children, up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Father, help us, I pray, in these next few minutes as we look at this wonderful story which you have given to us in the Bible. Help us to see what you've said, to understand it, in order that we may live in light of it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. You have to love children, don't you? You just love children. Now, sometimes, if you have small children at home, they can be frustrating. And I'm being kind. And, of course, having small children are... Older children are grown children is quite a responsibility. But you've got to love children. We have three day camp weeks at the ranch. Will started those seven years ago. Day camp is where kids from Murfreesboro that are 8 years old through 11 <clears throat> come out at 8 in the morning, and then they stay all day, and they leave at 5 at night. It's been great. I love day camp. Most of them don't know much or anything about the Bible. And so when they get there on Monday, Monday morning and Monday afternoon, they're preached about sin, judgment, and righteousness. In fact, Monday, they talk about the fall and sin. On Tuesday, they talk about sin's judgment. On Wednesday, they talk in the two services about Christ's payment for our sins. And on Thursday morning, we give the first invitation. Now they hear about sin, they hear about judgment, they hear about Christ dying in our place, and then we give an invitation on Thursday morning. Now, the John R., the auditorium, there's a little larger than this one, and so the kids are down in the front part. We can only take 200 because we have to have a certain amount of staff with each uh, youngster. So, uh, on Thursday, when they give the invitation, this is the way they do it. They over, go over the gospel one more time, and then Chris will say, now, if you'd like to be saved, raise your hand, and your counselor will come to you. So kids will raise their hands, and the counselors come to them, and they take them to the back of the auditorium, and they sit down and go through the gospel yet one more time. Now, they've heard it basically twice Monday, twice Tuesday, twice Wednesday, and once Thursday, and then they hear it another time, so it's twice on Thursday, and then they pray with the kids, and they trust Christ as Savior. Well, a fellow that works with us named Tyler, he was in the video, he heads up the deaf ministry, he and I were standing over here in this aisle about halfway back, and a boy was coming back after having prayed with a counselor, and I would guess the boy to be about nine. So the boy came back, and Tyler stopped him and said, 
what did you just do? And the boy said, I prayed to ask the Lord Jesus to be my Savior. And Tyler said, that's wonderful. And then Tyler said, if you died today, where would you go? And the boy looked at Tyler like, doesn't this guy know the answer to that question? And he said, to heaven. And Tyler said, wonderful. Now he said, if you died five years from today, where would you go? Now he was trying to make the point, was Tyler, that if you die today, you go to heaven. If your death comes in five years or in 50, you're still saved and you go to heaven. So he said to this nine-year-old boy, if you die in five years, where would you go? And the boy looked at him with a quizzical look on his face, and he said, I'd still be in heaven. You can't die twice. <laughs> now, don't you love that? Don't you just love kids? In this story, people, I'm assuming parents, brought children to Jesus in order that Jesus could touch them and bless them. And when they did, the disciples saw it, and they rebuked those who brought the children. And when Jesus saw that, he was not pleased at all. He was much displeased. And he said, Suffer, permit the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And then he doubled down on it by saying, Unless you come to God as a child, you will not so much as see heaven. Now, most Bible teachers, and I certainly would agree with this, believe that this is talking about faith, that is, the faith of a child. Unless you have faith as a child, you're never going to see heaven. So what does it mean to have faith as a child? Well, let me mention two things that are widely believed, which are also incorrect. So don't amen them, all right? Here are two things that people often say that uh, having faith as a child would mean. They'll say, number one, a child easily believes anything. Well, that's partially true. It's not what we're talking about when Jesus said, except you have the faith as a child. He's not talking about it's easy for a child to believe, although it may be. Often children, if taught by adults, believe things that are not true at all. For example, now, you're not going to believe this, so trust me, all right? Did you know that some children are taught and believe that at a certain time of year, a little chubby guy in a red suit comes to their house with presents, and this guy comes down the chimney, no matter that the house may be in Brazil, where they don't need chimneys, he comes down the chimney and he leaves the presence, and then he departs. And this guy has to see billions of people in one 24-hour period. And he is carried, you're not going to believe this, to each house via a sleigh drawn by reindeer. Now, do some children believe that? Some of you adults are going, you, you mean it's not true? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not really true. 
So it is true that sometimes, you know, some children believe that little bunny rabbits can lay eggs. And they're colored. It's just a wonderful thing. Some children believe that if told that lie long enough by adults. But don't some adults believe frivolous things as well? I was watching a newscast. Well, actually, it was a blog I was watching on my phone of a man who worked in the medical fields and he was being questioned by Congress. This was back during COVID. He was being questioned by Congress. And so a congressman said to this man, can a man be with child? The question he asked was, can a man be pregnant? And this learned, college-educated medical professional looked straight at the congressperson and said, quote, yes, quote, close. Now, you say, that is absolutely ridiculous. Well, of course it is. But that guy believes it. Now, there's a caveat, and the caveat is that a man may actually be, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I should be frivolous about this, may actually be a woman, and therefore he, which is a woman, can be a mother. This is the only church in America, by the way, where on the men's room door, <laughs> it says, biological males. Now, only in Florida... At Gospel Baptist Church, would they say that? For most, for Tennesseans, you just say, a man, and we go, duh. All right. Well, don't some people believe that? Don't they believe that? Don't some adults believe that? So I don't think believing things easily is what the Lord Jesus is talking about. In fact, I know it's not. Number two, some people say, well, you need to believe as a child because a child is willing to follow almost anyone. Now, there's an element of truth to that. When we had small children in our home, we were careful of the people with whom they would hang out. Were you like that? We wanted to be careful. We didn't want our kids to be influenced by just anybody. But isn't that true with adults as well? Don't adults follow all kinds of people that have no sense? Uh, look, I don't want to go to seat on this, but we're often asked how celebrities vote or what they think about different issues. So here's a guy that um, is a football player are most recently a basketball player, and he has asked, what do you think about X? Now, look, I don't mean to offend anybody. I could care less. I don't care what a guy thinks if he's a basketball player because, quite frankly, he probably doesn't think <laughs> he plays basketball. That's fine. I'm not denigrating him. It's just, why, why should I follow him? Uh, I have been somewhat taken aback 
with all the talk about the royals in England. Now, I personally, I had some respect for and admiration for the queen. She was a queen for many, many years. I can remember I was just a kid when she was inaugurated the queen, and I thought she made sense and she was likable. But I, I'm telling you, uh, look, don't get mad at me, but just about everybody else in that family is a kook. I mean, really, they are, and yet people by the millions hang on every word that they say. So it doesn't make sense that having faith as a child means you'd believe anything, or having faith as a child means you'd follow anyone. So what is the Lord Jesus talking about? Well, the word faith is important. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Verse 6 in that same chapter, chapter 11 of Hebrews, says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. That's God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So what does it mean to have faith? It's the substance. It is the, uh, it's the battle certificate. It is the land agreement signed and sealed of the truth that God gives. Faith is that gift which God gives to me that gives me the right to see truth because God says it. So if God says it, I can know that it is true. Now, it's interesting because the word believe in the Bible and the word faith in the New Testament are the same word. So one who has faith believes, and one who is a believer is one who has faith. So if you're believing, that's kind of the verb form of faithing. It means to put your trust in, to rely upon. And that's the key of a little child. A little child easily relies on others because that's all he's ever done in his life. Suppose you have uh, an eight-year-old, and he wakes up in the morning, and he says, Mom, my throat hurts. And you say, well, uh, go to the medicine cabinet and get some of those baby aspirin. Get some aspirin. So he goes, and he comes back with an empty bottle, and he says, Mom, the bottle was there, but it's empty. We don't have any baby aspirins in the medicine cabinet. Now, they do have them at CVS, correct? But you don't say to your 8-year-old son, Okay, get your dad's SUV, drive down to CVS, buy a bottle of aspirin, and come back home and take them. Because in the first place, he can't drive the SUV, we hope. He can't drive the SUV. In the second place, he doesn't know where CVS is. Well, he's been there many times, perhaps, but he doesn't know where it is. In the third place, if he found CVS by driving Dad's SUV, he wouldn't have any money to pay for the aspirin. He doesn't carry money. Mom does that. By the way, Mom... That never changes. When that child is 43, he doesn't carry money. Mom has it. 
So he doesn't have any money. He doesn't have any directions. He doesn't have the ability to drive. So he depends on someone else. So if you say to a child, shouldn't you get some aspirin? He will say to you, yes, mom will get them for me. Doesn't that make sense? All right. You go to an adult in the United States of America and you say, are you going to heaven when you die? And quite often, you get an answer something like this. Well, I hope so. I'm doing the best I can. And I just hope that in that final day when the good and the bad are judged, my good will outweigh my bad and, and I'll, I'll make it heaven. Here's a man in his 40s who doesn't even know where heaven is. And if he knew where heaven was, he does not have the vehicle to get him there. Number three, this poor guy who's in his 40s, when he croaks, you know what that means, don't you? When this guy gives up and he dies, that's when he's got to find heaven. You know, when you die, you can't even find the funeral home. Somebody has to carry you to the funeral home. Nothing wrong with that. It's what you'd expect. But adults have the gall to think, I, I can take care of this on my own, whereas children naturally do not. Would you like to be saved? Well, yes. Can you save yourself? No. That's what a child would typically respond. Well, then who can save you? The Lord Jesus. Would you be willing to trust him as Savior? And if the answer is yes, they're saved. Does this make sense? So it's a wonderful truth. So except you come to God as a child, you're not even going to see the kingdom of heaven. Coming to God as a child means trusting him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Now that works in salvation, but it also works in your Christian life after having been saved. My son Will says, most of us have said this, dear God, thank you for saving me. I couldn't do that. And I thank you for saving me. I'm so glad to be saved now. Now, I'll take it from here. Meaning, whatever I need to do as a child of God, I'll take care of. Listen, you can no more live the Christian life on your own, then you can get yourself to heaven. You can't get you to heaven. You must trust in God to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And you cannot live the Christian life as you ought unless you trust God to provide for you in it. Now let me give you some examples. This morning, Brother Bill, and by the way, this was such a blessing to me. Remember his prayer list? Remember that? Remember how to be on the top of his prayer list? Be an enemy. And he, I, that, I'm serious, that stirred me. And he said, because we are to love our enemies. Okay, is that true? Okay, can you do that? Of course not. You can't love your enemies. Give me a break. Don't sit out there and think, yes, we should all love our enemies. And I, I'm sure that God uh, will allow me to love those who hate me. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Listen, you can't even love people that you don't know that cut you off in traffic. 
You know, if I were an inventor, you know what I would invent? I would invent something that would give me the time in tenths of a second between the light turning green and the guy behind me honking. <laughs> you know, people come from New York to Florida, and so they honk. And I think, I think they sit there going, three seconds, two seconds, one second, honk, and I got him. I got him. Have you, listen, have you ever called somebody who cut you off in traffic? You're, you're slowing down. Uh, they come up to a stoplight, and somebody cuts in front of you and stops in front of you. Have you ever said, you idiot? Have you ever called a driver who could not hear you an idiot? I have. I've done that quite often. You say, Brother Bill, you mean you've said, that person's an idiot. Yes, I have. You say, why do you say that? Because they're an idiot. <laughs> All right, so somebody cuts you off at the pass. You don't say, be thou warmed and filled. <laughs> I just want you to know that God loves you, and I do as well. No, no, you think to yourself, I hope I'm packing heat. In case this guy tries this, and now, now be honest about that. Has that ever happened? Somebody ever wrong you? And you get upset with them, and you're supposed to love your enemies? Good luck with that. You can't. How about forgiving people? The Bible says that we are to forgive others as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. You ever heard this? He's not even said, I'm sorry. Why should I forgive him? Which begs the question, did you say to God in your sin, I'm sorry, before he forgave you? Christ's forgiveness for you was offered long before, long before you were even born. Now understand, I see that things are not made right. In other words, somebody wrongs you, and you need to forgive them, and you should. I understand that things are not made right in fellowship until they take their part in it. But I can't do their part, but I can do mine, except we don't. Can you forgive people? You know, if you've been hurt by somebody, and haven't we all? If you've been hurt by someone, isn't it difficult to say, well, don't worry about it, it's forgiven? It's not easy, is it? To say it's not easy is incorrect. It's impossible. You know what the Bible says about a husband and his wife? The Bible says, husbands... Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I love Mary. It's not hard to love Mary. She's a lovable person, and I love Mary. I've loved Mary for many years. I'm going to love Mary till I croak. I thank God for Mary, and I love Mary. But if somebody came to me after the service and said, Bill, do you love Mary? like God the Father and God the Son? 
love you? What's the answer to that? You know what I'd say? No, I, I'm not God. I can't. I love Mary. You understand that, don't you? <clears throat> and I might say something like, I love Mary with all of my heart or all of my being. And that would be true, but I can't love as God does. But the Bible commands me to do exactly that. Bill, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. But I can. Can you love your wife that way? No. Can you forgive people? No. Can you love your enemies? No. But Christ can do all three. You think the Lord Jesus would have any trouble in loving his enemies? Are in forgiving them. You know this statement, which encompasses both of those truths. Father, forgive them, the men who put him to death, for they know not what they do. You think, you think, and I don't mean to be silly with this, you think Christ would have any trouble in loving Mary? as Christ loved the church? No. So I can't forgive, but Christ can. I can't love my enemies, even though I'm commanded to do so, but Christ can. I can't even love my wife as God does, but Christ can. So now listen, I need to depend upon Christ do for me what I cannot do for myself. See, when it comes to this, okay, um, I, I need to love my enemies. Lord, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I have a wicked nature. I cannot love my enemies, but you can, Lord Jesus. Love them through me. Do through me what I cannot do for myself. I was blessed this morning when I said to a man, uh, after the service, uh, you're a gifted teacher. This is a blessing to me. I said to him, you're a gifted teacher. And he said to me, yes. Now listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. He was not saying, I am a great teacher. He was saying, my teaching is a gift. From whom? God. So he was not giving the credit to him. He was giving the credit to God. I love that. That was <clears throat> a blessing to me. So um, the Bible says, it, it speaks of people who, who um, have the form of godliness, but not the power thereof. What does that mean? Well, it means coming up these steps and preaching uh, because you may be a good communicator or a good speaker but not asking God to do through you what only God can do and you can't. See, remember when you were saved and you came to the realization, I can't possibly get me to heaven. Okay, then when you walk out of this place tonight 
and you think, I need to love my enemies. Go ahead and say it to yourself. I can't possibly love my enemies. So I depend upon Christ to do for me what I cannot do for myself. When you walk out of this place tonight and you say, I should forgive people who have wronged me legitimately. They have wronged me and hurt me. I know that. You can't forgive them, but the Lord can. And so trust Christ to do for you what you cannot possibly do for yourself. You want to love your spouse? All of us should. You can't love your spouse as you ought love your spouse unless you recognize, I can't love my spouse as Christ loved the church, but Christ can. He loved me, and through me, I can, in Christ, love my spouse. One of the wonderful things about little children is that um, they see the importance of dependence. And one of the terrible things about us old geezers is that we don't. Man says things like, listen, I may have a nice car and a nice house and a boat, but I worked hard for everything I have. Now, I appreciate hard work, don't you? And I appreciate men that have worked hard. But let me tell you something. You couldn't walk out of this room tonight apart from the power and blessings and help of Almighty God. And I mean that literally. You could not stand your feet and walk apart from God's provision on your behalf. And sometimes God smiles on the unjust, does he not? Well, you say, how could God smile upon the unjust? Well, let me ask you a question. What are you by nature? You think God blesses any of us because we're good, or does God bless us because of his grace? So depend upon God to do for you what you can't do for yourself. Now, two things tonight. Number one, I would assume that most, maybe everybody in this room is born again or is saved. I don't know that. But if you've never trusted Christ and said, Lord, I can't save me, but I believe you can. If you've never trusted him, you're not on your way to heaven. You are damned to an existence apart from God forever and ever in a place called hell and then the lake of fire. But you can take care of that by asking God to do for you what you can't do for yourself, and that is save you give you a new heart, a new life, cleanse you from your sin and set you free from it. Number two, I want you to think about things that you need to do that you may have been doing in and of yourself. I love your passing out tracts. I think it's great. I love the, the memorizing scripture. I think that's great. And I, I assume that most pass out tracks because you want people to hear the gospel. Now look, just don't be flipping about it. When you're going to give a track, say, God, um, I probably don't love these people like you do, but, but uh, love them through me and help me be conscientious in passing out my tracks. My dad, when he was first called to preach, he was told he should love people, and he went to Moody Bible Institute. This is in the late 30s and the 40s. And he would go down 
to the train station and would preach the bums, they called them. We call them homeless people now. This, of course, was right at the edge of the Depression. And they'd be, they'd be sitting up and down there. And so my dad would walk up and down and preach to these guys. By the way, almost everybody that comes from Bill Rice Ranch wanders from the pulpit. And we learned that from dad. And the reason he did it was he cut his teeth on preaching to derelicts, bums. So he would preach the gospel and some bum would say something unkind to my dad and he would smell liquor on his breath and he would say to God later, I can't love that man. Could you? Now be honest. See, see, in our own selves, we couldn't. What you do is you recognize that when Christ died, he died for that guy. Just like when Christ died, he died for you. And in God's sight, who's to know but that your sin may have been as offensive, or humanly speaking, more offensive than some poor sot drunk on the street in Chicago in the 1930s. My point is, you, you can't live the Christian life on your own. You were saved by you, and you can't live victoriously by you. So ask God to help you to love, to forgive, to love your spouse, are a hundred and one other things that you cannot accomplish on your own. Let's bow for prayer. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947 one two eight five. Thank you and God bless.